health is about more than just staying fit. And with every year that goes by, I'm becoming more and more fascinated by how what we eat can impact our health and our potential, with a particular focus on gut health and the gut microbiome. It's not just what I eat either, it's how I eat too. It's all connected. That's why I've developed my own number one living drinks brand. Number One Living is based on this idea, the simple notion that by putting our well-being first and improving the quality of what we put into our bodies, we get more out of life. My range of kombucha drinks are full of bacterial life cultures, designed for a happy and healthy gut. They're sugar-free, vegan and naturally sourced, so you can feel great on the inside and enjoy life on the outside. Choose from refreshing raspberry, passion fruit or our award-winning ginger and turmeric kombucha. The number one living range is widely available in Sainsbury's, Holland and Barrett's and Boots stores and online at numberoneliving.com. Grab yours today. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to the I Am podcast, all about human potential. This week, I'm diving into human potential from a health, well-being and fitness angle. I'm also bringing a touch of the family vibe to the I Am podcast as well, because my guest this week for the Thursday episode is my closest ally and also my brother. So what a treat it was to be able to venture into the subject of family dynamics with him and look at how we can transcend and transform these slightly more inherited relationships into ones of infinitely more power. It was and is also a huge bonus that Mark, or Sparks as I know him, harnesses an immense passion for helping people reach their health and well-being goals because he works as a fitness strength and conditioning coach. So the two of us share way more than just a lifetime of memories and experiences on and off numerous sports pitches because we both now devote immense time and energy to understanding ourselves better and revealing more of what we're capable of. You could say it borders on a kind of obsession. However, we come at it from very different directions, whereas I attack it primarily through the mental and emotional. My brother begins with the physical realm, works his way in from there. So basically the scene was set during this chat for us to really open up to each other about some interesting stuff that we... I guess haven't really spoken about before within our relationship and also for me to learn loads more about how he supports others to reveal big possibilities within themselves. So thank you once again for tuning in for all your contributions. It's been phenomenal. I can't wait to continue the journey with you. My name's Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with Mark Wilkinson. So... Mark Wilkinson, my brother. I don't think I've ever said Mark Wilkinson. If I have, it's, it was a long, long time ago. Good to have you on this chat. It's privileged to be able to speak to my own brother on an evening. How are you on this fine day? Very good, thank you. Very good. It's been a while. I feel like you've had enough warm-ups now that you can start bringing out the big guns in terms of the guests. Yes. And uh, <laughs> wherever that is, when you start after this one, that'd yeah. be great. I think there's plenty in here. And actually, to kick it off, as you know well, this is all about human potential this i am podcast and a lot of what we do together is about human potential but for those of the listeners tuning in what is it you do in your life and and how does that fit in with human potential i say it might be easier to start with a little bit of history that i'm uh 18 months older than than johnny and <laughs> similar to him although i might not look a little bit younger similar to johnny I grew up playing rugby, pursued that as a as a as a dream through various different channels, not quite the same route that Johnny took, but 
slightly more convoluted and, and ended up in, in rugby, but I've always had a passion for the, the physical side of, of training and health and fitness. And it's kind of been the main thrust of my education and a lot of my employment throughout the years has been in that. And I was super, super fortunate to, to land a job in that sort of realm of performance within Newcastle Falcons at the time when Johnny and I were living together up in Newcastle and, and that kind of transformed into an opportunity to play as well, which was an absolutely incredible experience. And then at the end of that little stint, it turned back into going back into the coaching. And really that was what kick-started a real big thrust in me about the whole, what is it that we can do? How far can we go? What can we do? What can the human being you know, what are those limits if they exist? What can we do? And and since then, coming out of rugby and, and pursuing other avenues, I'm now fortunate enough to have a, a small training facility up up in Newcastle where I still live, as well as working with, with Johnny on a couple of projects where we get to, to work with people in this sphere, which is awesome. But would you say it's the biggest thing in your life outside of, of course, family and everything now? Is this the main, you know, the, the central focus? Do you get away from this much in your day? Or is this underneath most things now? I think I'm probably, I probably fall into the category that I'm super lucky to be doing what interests me and what I love. And so almost, I don't want to escape it because it's kind of, it ticks all the boxes for me and, and it kind of it infiltrates all the areas of my life. So the, the, my kids are taking an interest in it and want to get involved and, and, and be active and get an understanding of it. So it's, it kind of crops up everywhere as well as just, I'm sure you find it. It's just one of those things that ticks away at the back of your mind a lot of the time. Why is this space now for you so fascinating? How come it's gotten so big? Because for me, you know, when I was playing, it was all about just running a bit further, lifting a bit heavier, getting your body a bit you know, more solid or whatever you needed to be or upping your times and competing to try and get into that team or get into the next team or whatever it was. But how can, you know, now that you're not playing, why is it such a fascinating space for you? I think it probably it started a little bit with me because of the transformative abilities of of training and particularly when combined with nutrition and, and, your, and your recovery that, as you may well remember, I wasn't the most athletic of teenagers. I was, you may, <laughs> I was, I was heavy. I wasn't particularly happy with how I looked, how I felt, how I performed, but realizing that by putting some work in and managing certain variables, I was able to change how I looked, how I performed, how I felt. And that had a knock on effect to my confidence. And, and it kind of, it was a big thing for me because I'm sure there's some people that can kind of empathize with when you're not happy in your own body with how you look, when you develop the skills and find out that there is a route that you can change that, it, it really does kind of change your outlook across the board on all things. So for me to sort of start discovering that in my early teens and then developing it and gaining a better understanding, it continues to be that for me, but also being able to use those tools that I've managed to learn, have the opportunity to pick up to help other people and pass on that knowledge and, and show that not just in terms of like, yes, as you said, when we were playing rugby, it was all about get a bit bigger, be a bit faster, be a bit stronger, be a bit more dangerous. You want to play, you want to be the one that's out there on the pitch, but health was not really on that list. Probably not even in the top 10. It was kind of on the back burner. I'll worry about that later for the time being. It's, this is the next goal. This is what needs to happen. But now 
incorporating that into the whole process so that you can have all those goals but still have it all sort of set on that foundation of health and longevity particularly as you get older and you have family and, and you, you realize that you you can't just be that selfish professional athlete anymore it's there's other people depending on you it, it really changes all that and to see that wittering on a bit but the health and fitness and how you look after yourself can have an impact no matter what you're doing with your life no matter what goal you're pointing yourself at it has an impact and it can be hugely powerful so what when you have a goal for example like you said you get to that level where you feel like this is what i wanted i'm here you know i, I make the team in the sporting perspective i guess it's easier because then you've got the game and you you want to win that and you want to make the team again and it looks after itself but when you sort of find that body shape or the looks that you want presumably that's a bit of a dead end if you're tied in with that how I look and what I can lift and how I compete then that's that's something which that dependence inevitably is going to going to sort of end up being harmful what about that feel side presumably that's the bit that opens the door to say what can I guess what can health and fitness do for you on a feeling perspective without it being about you know due to this look or you know all results I'm getting it's the separation of not letting the whole process become your identity. Let's say that you train three times a week for an hour. There's a vast quantity of time that you're not in the gym where you can achieve a lot more than three hours that you're in the gym. And so to have those three hours become the defining part of your ego and your identity and to be so caught up in that and, and to be, you know, within the fitness industry and, and the health industry, there are instances where we can easily become so overzealous about a particular method or a particular type of way of doing things that it it becomes almost combative and it just obscures you from the greater picture which is i'm trying to become healthier so i can have as if we sort of say the cliche of more years in your life more life in your years in order to do the other things to not be so caught up in this is i have to do this this is the whole point of it which is fine, as you said, when it's an obvious means to an end in order to achieve a goal or, or, or a performance. But as you said, what comes after that is, well, what? And the beauty of trying to maintain a capability and a health and a fitness that's purpose is to make life better is that it works no matter what you want to point yourself at. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm thinking that immediately when you said about the time spent in a professional job is a bit bit more because there's a hell of a lot of training but there's still more hours off the field than there is on there's still even if you count the hours on the bus to away games which for us <laughs> at Newcastle was most games and most bus trips but but also when you're not when you when there's time in your job or whether it's time with your family or whether it's time sleeping even whatever that time is it's a brilliant thing to really have that passion and that focus i feel but if that passion and focus detracts from all the other moments on that 80 percent, 80 20 rule you know if you end up spending 80 percent of your energy on the what you do 20 percent of the time you end up missing out a huge amount of time a huge amount of stuff and i feel like i can easily see that that your whole life becomes dominated by that moment during a week or during a day and i can actually start to say that because of the I don't know, it's almost like a withdrawal symptom that you can find yourself struggling when you're not in the gym or struggling when you're not yeah. playing rugby. And the chemical situation with it is there is an addictive level to it. The endorphins released when you train, 
you can float through things you feel untouchable for a period of time afterwards and that's that's a you know that's not to be dismissed but i think it's this is where i kind of for me sometimes the misunderstood role of professionals within the health and fitness industry is maybe to offer more guidance on this that not everybody needs to be crushing it 24 7 7 days a week because it doesn't actually serve them what do you bring to the table when you come to training you know if you've got someone who's relatively young they may not have any real issues that you have to worry about when you and i rock up we've got a medical file the thickness of you know war and peace yeah that you have to work out well can i do this should i do this am i even able to do that the biggest thing for me is if i get pushed if i get questioned whoever i'm working with why are we doing this what's the point of this why are we doing that i feel like this today i'm not sure if this is great this week i've got this going but next week's like this what should we do those are the areas where you can really bring it down to a level where that person feels like they're getting something that's just absolutely beautiful for them and you can't help but thrive in that situation because you just know it's for you. Everything is there. And that's, you know, when you talk about potential, you, when you're in that situation, people can just do some incredible things and go on and then absorb that and take it on. And then the best bit is when they do something even more awesome outside the gym and they come back and tell you, you know, next week that you're not going to believe what happened after that. I went to this meeting and this was awesome or I had such an awesome afternoon with my daughter or, or something like that. Those are the kind of the bigger picture things. I think also, because when you're talking about the very sense that everything's centered around you, that sense of belonging, that sense of importance, that sense of worth, even in just recognizing that someone's willing to you know, structure this around you, you do feel like a professional athlete in that way. And part of what I think a lot of this is about on the iron potential side is trying to recognize if you like or in some way realize that the entire universe is structuring itself around you according to your bespoke challenges according to your bespoke opportunities that unfold according to the bespoke interactions with certain individuals or groups that you haven't got a clue why are they here and here in my life at this time or that time and why is this happening but to realize that actually there's a guidance there and a devotion to you that can bring about that worth. I mean, what could feel more worthy than realizing that everything is listening to you? The problem might be that we don't know what we're saying deep down with the emotional kind of conflict that's going on and hence why we get what we get. But that feeling of worthiness when you walk into a gym and the whole thing is like, well, listen, because it's you, how are you feeling? Those questions, they make a big difference rather than, like you said, you're a number, get in here, here's your piece of paper with your list on, off you go. It's an amazing ability to have or opportunity to have rather that someone can step in and the gym we've got hasn't got any windows so this makes it quite easy that it's like it's a separate world so you are able to kind of say this is a false reality right now and everything shuts off there is no sort of background noise and you can be very very focused and you can almost have more control over an environment than you you could ever have outside of the doors of the gym so you're able to offer that experience and sometimes to be able to step into that. And then as you stay, as you step out of that, you kind of drag the vapors with you and you almost take like a, a little skin of it, a veneer of it with you into the day. And each time you go through that experience, you can take a bit more, you can take a bit more. And then, you know, the, the words of like resilience and robustness and things like that, I thought I'd think it a little bit more of just, you have more tools you're a little bit more ready for the day. You're a bit more focused and you feel positive and you're just armed with that 
attitude and that you're going to see those opportunities when they come to you. You're not going to have things miss you, pass you by, and you're going to be able to grasp those things. There's loads of stuff in there, I guess, also about, like you said, feeling more armed for the day. There's a real balance to that because as is my way or has been my way, destroying yourself in the gym is not always arming yourself for the day. And also there's this, again, it reinforces that idea that the gym becomes another place where you go to suffer in order to receive a payoff at the end. Like you said, you get your chemical release, but that comes from basically blasting it, staring at that clock on a, on a row machine and going, oh God, the row machine. At the end of it, you go, oh, well, at least I feel, you know, like I've accomplished something. And there, there's value in, of course, facing those challenges. But there's also the other element of this, that it becomes more of a dance where people dance because the dancing feels good. Not because at the end of the dance, you think, well, that's made me feel better. Yes, it may do that, of course, but the actual doing of it is powerful as well. And I think, you know, when you can link those two up, when you, when you listen to the body and yes, there are times to push it, you know, like we, there'll be times when we have sessions, when you, you go, it's a day, it's a day for that. But there's other times where you're like, actually, it's not a day for that. But there's some really interesting understandings around stuff, which I think is that drives that need to go in the gym and say, I'm here to hammer myself a bit, or at least I have to work hard because this is how it works, because this is the day I had yesterday and I need to get rid of that. But it's interesting to see why why do people go in there thinking it's about paying almost like a, paying their penance almost. I think some of it is the portrayal of, or people's uh, people's interpretation of what is fitness. The beauty for someone like me, if I'm speaking from someone within the industry, is that I could answer it depends all day long and never be proven wrong. You can constantly say it depends because you can find research or whatever to kind of back up any idea you want. But if you go into anything with a really set expectation of what it's going to be, you almost facilitate it becoming that because you'll hammer it. You'll hammer your experience into that shape. And I think sometimes people feel like it's an equation. I need this much horribleness so that I've earned either the, the stuff I had last night that I shouldn't have or the stuff that I'm about to have and I don't want to feel guilty about doing it. <laughs> Tonight, yeah. yeah. The food and the, and the, yeah, the, food it, and the drink. A, you know, and the, it's a, yeah, yeah. Man, it's the balance the holiday. of the equation. You can almost, you can hear the math going on in people's heads. Look, just another 10 minutes on this means I can have one more of those. And But it's, and I think the way I look at it and the way that I really enjoy doing it is that, and the way that I speak to people that, that I work with is, within six months, you should be able to be picked up, dropped anywhere on the planet, and you'd be able to set up a great way to look after yourself. So recovery in terms of sleeping and getting enough downtime that you maintain your health, that you can set up a way of eating that's going to massively support your health and have enough energy in there to support your activity and then set up some form of activity that will help you achieve whichever goal you're pointing yourself at. So there's an element of education because when you can have that power to be in charge and have your hands on the wheel and be the captain of your own ship, that's phenomenal. You can't, that's so empowering to know that whatever you want to do, you have that knowledge that you can point yourself towards it and set up a really good plan to get there. Beyond six months, if you want to keep training with us because you really enjoy it, I'm super happy for that, but you shouldn't have to. It's not, I don't want it to be a, a hand holding adventure 
ad infinitum until you know until you leave and then you go oh geez what do i do now so that questioning and is trying to stimulate that awareness in people to be able to say well i want to ask and exactly what you're saying to, to that awareness so that when you go into the gym and you do not feel like smashing it you don't have to smash it you can just do something or even just leave <laughs> yeah. and then go back look after yourself get a good night's sleep and see what it's like the next day and there's nothing wrong with that but there's also those spaces which we all know when you when you go to somewhere you don't think you're capable of and it's liberating and it's astonishingly powerful in its experience and i know the gym could be a really cool place for mm. that definitely definitely and it's it's the same as you and i with our very limited musical careers that we've had at times of putting yourself out there of you know forcing yourself to play like we did a couple of times as a band in front of people <laughs> and that's you know you're right on the edge there's that kind of positive stress of butterflies knowing that you know i really want to do this but i'm also terrified of doing it and there, there's times where the gym's a great way of doing that because it can be a little microcosm of of, re of real life where you can put yourself in these challenges and but you can also tangibly see growth which i think is a nice thing that you can actually have a start and a finish to something which sounds a bit benign but it's not it's not a luxury that everybody has you know you can work on a project that might take years but you know that within a gym session you can go in and you can start and finish it in 45 minutes and know that you've you've nailed it and that's a nice way to have almost like that feel of completion to something yeah definitely and i think also that that sense of going into that space of the unknown it works both mentally when you have that space that idea of you know i just don't know if i'm going to be able to do this physically your body actually does something you've never done before mentally you go against that old idea or that belief and it's brilliant but i think quite soon for me especially the habit becomes so much more physical and it loses its power because you just make a habit of going in there and making it all about the physical push a bit harder run a bit more, see some more physical limits broken. But I think the big one that really draws it together is going into new space beyond just the body. It's not about those little percenters, those one percenters. It's about those those vulnerable moments, yeah, which do begin in the gym, I think. You get that vulnerability of like, but I'm, I'm in front of you guys and, and and I don't know if I can do this and what's it going to be like, And I'm, but sorry, I'm going for it. But then after a while, that vulnerability is no longer there. It just becomes, I'm just going to do it because it's what I do. And I think there's something missing there in that, that the power of that vulnerability is, is huge, but it can be stripped after a while when going to the gym and just doing this or that. I, I think so. And I, this is where, for me, so a lot of the information that I was, as I said before, you and I have landed ourselves in some incredibly fortunate situations by chance a lot of the time. Indeed. But when you look at, training and again i don't know how much people know about the kind of more technical side or the science side of training but when you're when you're training for a sport you do what's called periodization because you can't train to be right on the edge of perfect performance all year round because the body can't sustain it so if you take boxers for instance or fighters they have a they'll have a camp they'll, they'll prepare for a fight so they'll train for periods of times build up through different phases and waves of what they're doing and then they'll train to be absolutely spot on for that event. And the adrenaline on the night will take them to like 99, 100% of 
physical readiness, right peaking, right on the on the top. And then whatever happens after the fight, they'll need downtime. Some people end up in hospital on a drip because they were they, they were almost too good. Whereas if you took example for you and I, or with a team sport like rugby, if you were to get right peaked for one match, you would miss half the season afterwards because you can't come back the following week and do it again. So it's a completely different needs analysis. But the key the key point is you're not training exactly the same all the time. So you may do strength training or you may do hypertrophy training and then you'll go into a different section where you're trying to get stronger. So you, you build muscle, then you get strong, teach that muscle to be stronger, then you teach that muscle to be fast and powerful. And then you have some time off after you've maintained it for the season as best you can, then you have some time off. If, as you say, and if you do the same thing in the gym all year round, first of all, it's really hard on the body, let alone the mind. If you know that for the next 12 months, this is it, I'm just repeating this or a, a form of this. So to mix it up and go through different periods of training and, and break it up and, and, and do things. And that kind of ties into everything that then you can have a look, have all that variety. And as, and as you and I try and, try and speak a little bit more about now for ourselves with what we do is trying to be sort of fit for life, not trying to be stronger than we need to, or faster than we need to, or, or too at risk of, of breaking down and being injured because why would we, we have, we don't have the need for that. Yeah. And I think maybe for me recently as well, it takes longer to come back from injuries probably now not necessarily if you really look after your body sure but of course you know when I was younger I seem to remember coming back quicker and also with life the way it is it, it just really gets in the way of everything whereas as a sportsman it gets in the way of not playing but you know when we're younger you just go home and do what you do on one one leg for a bit whereas here now you know you, you're, you're part of a family network a dynamic and and all your work and everything and but you mentioned the fit for life thing I'm so interested in that because fitness as we mentioned, sport-wise, you can become so fit for that specific endeavour, and the way, and you can see it—the fit for life, the, the fit for that function. You see the shape of the body. It just, you know, you look at rugby, you look at props, you look at people on the on the wing, and you can see the difference. You can see the the you mentioned boxers. You look at soccer players or basketball players. You can see that it's brilliant. I think find it fascinating. But within that huge devotion to a certain specific endeavor for a lot of the time, you end up potentially leaving health behind and that sort of bigger stability underneath it. Because, you know, I'm, I'm guessing now looking back at historically and in the ancestors, you have to go out there and do your hunting, but presumably, yeah, once you've done your hunting and, and what have you, you don't then go and run shuttles for the sake of it afterwards you kind no, of or you, or you don't rusty. do you don't do three or four practice hunts yeah during the week for the yeah. big one at the weekend yeah no, maybe not yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah i think it is but it's i think a lot of it is because it's so individual and this is me covering my back a little bit but it, it, it's so individual take i mean i can use myself an example i've only got one peck thanks to rugby and some bad decisions and I've got fingers that point in all directions and I've got a knee that's not that happy. So these are kind of historical things that have kind of worked on and got to a point, but I have to take those into account. You can't just pretend that I don't have that. Now, everybody will have things that they'll bring, bring to it. It's almost like doing a needs analysis. 
So if you were to look at your life, what, what do I use my body for within my life right now that I want to be able to use it for? And I want to be able to continue to use it for like that. Now that's easy when you look at a sport. So we could do that quite easily for rugby and you break it down and you go, okay, I need to be big because I need some armor. I need to be able to take a bit of pounding. I need to be strong so that I can dish out a bit of a pounding. I need to be powerful and fast so I can be a threat with the ball, make my tackles. I need to be agile and skillful with the ball. But when it comes to well, what do I need for my life? What do I do on a daily basis or a weekly basis that I really enjoy doing that I would love to be able to do and continue to do pain-free and just be able to enjoy it? If, if that is your goal, then that should really be how you set up and structure your training and your movement or your activity, let's say, because training, training automatically makes people think, right, I'm in the gym doing weights, but your activity in order to help your body perform as you want it to do, doing the things you want it to do, it's, it's no different to really preparing for a sport, but the beauty is health can be right at the forefront. You don't have to sacrifice. Well, exactly. The, the, that sport, is, it becomes the game of life as opposed to the game of, you know, fill the blank, whatever your sport is. But that game of life, like you watch people, men and women on the, on the sporting fields or in certain arenas or even in, you know, obviously in the arts and the creative stuff, whatever it is, you see a kind of effortless grace to it. And in rugby, I'm going to go fast. I'm not going to generalise here. I'll use myself as an example. You see an effortless grace on the rugby field, but you see a real huffing and puffing effort off it, getting in and out of cars, you know, heaven forbid that, you know, you bend down to play with your daughter. You're kind of like, Oh, I can't do this much longer. You're like, well, but that's what I want to be able to do. I want to be able to crouch down on my haunches when there's no chair and play, you know, when you're outside and it's muddy floor and you just want to be able to get down low and, and you're like, but I can't. The worst one we have is when you have at the end of a, a session you have and someone goes, let's do a team photo. <laughs> and they say, right, people at the front, can you get down your haunches? And you, you have to keep standing up and telling the photographer, hold on, hold on, my knees can't take see, this. I'm lucky because I'm taller than you, so I can always get in the back row. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, yeah, by, by a good few inches. But, the, the, but yeah, that, that kind of graceful, effortless flow to as much of your life as possible is going to remove all those all the stress, the friction on joints, the overloading and, and the, just the effort, the, the, what I'd like to say, we speak about this and I'm not going to steal your stuff here, but the, the genius version of you versus the grafting version, but the genius version is just the way of no wasted energy. Whereas you look at the grafting version, even the way you're breathing looks forced as if you're just so much energy is having to be put in and the output's so small. Whereas you look at any genius in their field, the input's tiny and the output looks, it almost defies logic. How can you make that look so easy? How can you get a ball to travel that far when you're not touching it? How can you run and barely touch the floor? But of course, there's so much training in those individuals, runners, and the body shape fits that. But what about a life body and setup to make that? So what would you say is the most important factors if you like when it comes to life fitness then there's that beautiful sweet spot that if i could provide some sort of i believe venn diagram the circles of how you sleep and how you look after yourself and how you are in your in your downtime how you move and how you hold your body so kind of your posture and what activity you choose to do and how you do it another one would be how you fuel yourself so 
obviously food and, and hydration and, and anything else that you put into the body and then how you breathe which is all it's kind of involved in all of those at the same time but it's also such a powerful tool for performance as well as relaxation as well as recovery as well as maximizing health and optimizing all those things where those four intersect in the middle is where all the good stuff is so if you sleep enough to recover from whatever activity you've done or whatever stress your body has, has been under with enough food in the system to fuel and rebuild and repair the body as well as make any adaptations positively to whatever stimulus you've given the body your movement is done in a way that is an amount that you can recover from and is has a point it's it's, it's pushing you towards where you want to go with your goal which in this case is is health and, and the capability for life and then that your breathing supports all this by either allowing you to fuel your workouts with the oxygen or whether it's to calm your heart rate and push and fire up the parasympathetic nervous system and get you recovering afterwards that sweet spot in the middle is is where it all happens that's going to be very different for everybody but it's really interesting because i think what happens is these things become a formula this plus this plus this plus this will equal this and what we're missing out on is the opportunity for this to explode into an experience of, oh my God, this is crazy. You know, it's a bit like the, the, the devotion to those, true devotion to those things, you know, sleep and restfulness. So you look at the power of meditation, deep restfulness is huge. And, and you look at diet and the quality of diet, working with your body and finding that recipe and the breathing. I mean, spiritual traditions have opened up purely through breathing and posture and movement. Same thing, the asanas of yoga and, and each one of those has become a pathway to the inexplicable experience of life. And yet we turn it into a formula of it will give me this. And We've been looking at that sweet spot, I know, but it sounds to me like we almost kind of, we make these things just more of our stress. It should be increasing or giving you a greater experience of life, not the feeling of narrowing and becoming more focused on a single thing. That That's something that if you are involved in professional sport, yes, you are putting yourself and you're committing yourself to, this is it, I'm chasing this. And when you kind of get a peek behind the veil of what goes on and you see the sacrifice that people make for those, be it anything from Olympians to bodybuilders to, you know, we, we I think you missed it because of a very random event that happened to you on the, when we went to Japan. But we, were, we went to a sumo dojo. I've never seen anything like it. It was absolutely unreal. The life expectancy is about 40. And the, the, everyone was there like super happy and clamoring to get on the list to sign up. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a huge, huge sacrifice. But this, it, it's really interesting because that, what for me has been, because I know we, I think we really enjoy working together and we'll talk about that in a bit because we have this sort of, you come at it, you come at it from the physical in to more and I come at it from the mental and into more if you know what I mean to that physical if you like so we're kind of like meeting each other in in different ways but for me there's a basis about this idea that I'm doing I'm not fully engaging in the diet I'm doing it because and I'm not fully engaging in the movement because it's just another thing I'm doing as we mentioned I'm going to do this because I'll get this and I'm going to do this because I'll get this and then it becomes trying to fit it all in 
and because you're not none of it's you're fully engaging it never feels like there's enough time or energy or and it just becomes a hassle when you've got to you, you start a diet and then it feels like for the day one or two you're like yeah, yeah it's really great and then day three and four you're like oh my god it's so painful or your gym routine day one you get that hit but then suddenly you're like oh god i've got to carry on with this and all the postural stuff is like oh, such a big thing and then you've forgotten it within three days there's something about this kind of stress that we put in it and i know this isn't such a huge thing i think that stress is is a massive part of why we aren't releasing into that that resistance if you like that resistance that holds us back from fully indulging in these things fully giving yourself to it like you said you mentioned we mentioned this before eating food but not really digesting it because you're stressed doing your movement but being tense because you're stressed so not getting your full movement and ruining your posture, your breathing, really trying to breathe deep, but not because you're stressed. And and rest and recovery, well, that answers itself. Lying in bed, trying to go to sleep and trying to, you know, to, to let go of whatever it is. But that de-stressing, how important is that in the physical side? The de-stressing is where everything is allowed to adapt to whatever you've put it through in order to change and transform. And essentially what we're looking for is to improve, if that makes sense. So I'm going to stop just before you carry on, just before you carry on, because it's really interesting that because the stressing being survival, resistance, trying to survive this moment, there's no growth or evolution in survival. That's the very opposite of what you're trying to do. And so you're saying that when you lose that sense of stressing to survive and you open up, that's where the growth and transformation happens. Because for me, that's that's where the, the acceptance and the vulnerability lies as well. People with far more intelligence and much more time under their belt in things than me have said that if you take gym training, for example, you don't get big and strong in the gym. You get strong in the kitchen and in the bedroom. Basically meaning that when you go to the gym, all you do is get hurt and on a, on a micro level. So you're damaging muscle tissue by certain stimulus and tired because of the energy output. So if all you did was to go to the gym, you're never really going to get the benefits of it. You'll just keep putting them off and putting them off and putting them off. So if every time your body's saying, right, right now I'm going to adapt to that, where's the food? And I'm just going to shut down for a sleep and fix all this. And we can going to get like stronger. If all you ever do is go, no, no, let's have another wave of getting sore and tired. Okay, but what about, no, no, let's just throw in one more getting sore and tired. You're prolonging, then it's about, you know, that rainy day that never comes. But if you send that message to the body and then give it time to adapt to it, as well as enough nutrients to do something about it, incredible. And that works the same for learning. It's not just in terms of thinking about, oh, it's, it's just talking about getting big in the gym. It's the same as learning skills, anything like that. If you don't ever allow yourself to shut down and actually make sense of whatever you've just asked the body to do, you will never get the benefits of it. Where you talk about that stress in the gym, and you mentioned about the learning as well, you're breaking down the muscles or you're, you're causing that micro damage, and then you, and then you allow for the, the adaptation, which takes it, greater than where the beginning point was so i see that as exactly the same in terms of mental and emotional in that you meet a challenge you experience that difficult feeling or whatever there's your there's your breaking down 
that's your whatever. And, and it's in then this point that what we do is having experienced this damage and this toughness is we excite the mind. We become recruited by the feeling and we go off in hyperactivity, trying to solve it, trying to sort it out in urgency. And of course we get the compounded sort of pain, the pain of it and the, and the, the price of it. But actually when you experience that, that challenge in your life, all the teachings point to relax into it, relax into it, into things like meditation or yoga, into deep breathing, into anything of relaxation, relax the nervous system, relax the body and offer it the space to do what it's supposed to do. And it sounds like all this training that we go and do needs to be offered the space to then go about its thing and to, to restructure in a way that, you know, that allows us to be more than we were before the challenge. The key is to set up whatever you're going to do, whatever endeavor you're about to embark upon, set it up with the mindset that you're doing it to win. Make it a little bit easier at the start to get some wins and create some momentum. Don't think, okay, fresh start. I'm going to go in and do the hardest week's effort I've ever done in my life with no prep straight off the couch because that that's just not going to give you the impetus you're just going to find yourself two two days in thinking what on earth have i taken on here and also feeling and also feeling less about yourself because immediately with that comes this sense of failure and i'm not good enough but in fact what you're saying is that i'm just i've just set off too quick yeah. <laughs> you know i i, I can get, I, there's no limit to what i can reach but if i'm deciding it has to be this way right now well then that's the issue it's not me the issue here exactly and i think this is where the particularly with, within the realms of health and fitness, which I'm going to come back to because it's probably like the one realm of things that I feel like I'm relatively entitled to speak about, <laughs> is, is don't compare yourself to other people, particularly not when you're setting your goals, because that's a surefire way, way to not set yourself up to win. Because if you feel like you ought to be doing something or I ought to be able to do that or I ought to be able to lift this, and then you can't, you've got no space. You've given yourself no room. Yeah. But if you set yourself up to go, yes, oh yes, yes, then then you're on a then you're on a roll. And with that momentum, you can take a few no's in there. You can just turn them over, you're fine. But the I think that bespoke side of it and that patience and that small win also keeps fueling excitement and passion. Yeah, way well, we've said this before now, and I really abide by it in terms of anything you go through. If you can reveal from an, an event a bit of extra space and opportunity and possibility, you will fuel passion and excitement. No one tends to go, do you know what? I'm smashing it and I feel like I'm really moving in the incredible direction. I love it. So that's me out. Of course not. So when people move out, it's normally because the possibility has gone. And I think it's amazing. Yeah, so much can be done within that, you know, just around the area of saying, reveal a bit more possibility and where there is stress and resistance, you're saying no to possibility. I feel that's the, 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 the big point. I kind of, I guess in a way, a lot of this stuff we're talking about de-stressing and relaxing. And you mentioned about the simple thing in the gym, you mentioned about having a long history of injuries. I'm interested in what you're finding drives people in the gym to go after these goals because you could say oh you know it's just a cool thing 
for people to be, yeah, some people want to look bigger and this and that, but you sort of look at the life thing and say, well, but people are just going in the office and people want to be able to run marathons and achievements and they're great. But is there more to it than just people saying, this is my excitement and passion. I want to run a marathon. I always have, and I'm going for it. One of the first processes that I do when people come and sort of, we speak to people about coming to join the gym is to actually really spend some time about, well, what are your goals? So if there is an event in specific that you want to achieve, then that kind of makes that easier because the, wor the worst thing in the world is to, to spend six months really putting some tremendous effort in towards a goal that you weren't really that bothered about in the first place. And then when you get it, you're like, yeah, it's all right. I kind of wish I'd done this. And I think people's idea and people's knowledge of, of, of what's going on is, is much greater now. There's much more access to information. But I think is also the danger of that is also a bit of paralysis by analysis that I don't want to start unless I get it all perfect and I have it absolutely planned out and I know exactly what I'm going to do when the key is to just start. Start and you'll get so much more information to make even better decisions. So basically start before you think you're ready, almost. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, have you ever met anyone that's said to you, I'm absolutely furious that I'm strong? This being strong is really getting in the way of what I want to do. Now, that's not the same as I'm huge. I really wish I'm saying strong. And for me, that's, that's the, that's the kind of the key is particularly as you start to get older and, you know, 40, 50 plus, you have what's called age related sarcopenia where it becomes harder for the body to maintain lean muscle mass without a really good reason during your teens, particularly for the boys, when, when you hit puberty and testosterone gets dumped in the system, you can just look at weights and you'll get bigger and stronger. But as you get older, that's not, <laughs> if only it was the case, it's not. So that it does require a little bit, maybe more planning, a bit more of, a, of an idea and a, a plan for aging in a way to maintain and continue to improve your, your capability and your strength. And so some strength training, some resistance training, which sends that message to the body that lean muscle mass is important. I need to be able to remain strong. I need to be able to remain mobile. It's going to be so powerful beyond those years into your even later years where you can maintain that independence because you have that lean muscle mass. You can still get around on your, under your own power. You can still walk. You can still be active. And the, the link between strength training and activity levels as well as cardiovascular training particularly when coupled with a great balanced diet and also sleep and recovery you then not only do you have your physical capabilities but you have all your mental faculties into your later years as well so you just continue to live a great life there's no shutdown point i think this yeah this is the this is the great thing that we're talking about here is that potential is just possibility it's not about doing the stuff so that the possibility becomes your achievement because that runs out. Everyone's been there, you know, oh, this would be an amazing goal. It's such a possible, so much possibility. I've achieved it. How does it feel? It's great, but it felt better when it was still possibility. The feeling of potential is there's so much seems possible for me. And, and so getting to, getting to an older age and having a load of stuff on your CV 
doesn't feel great, but getting to an older age, having nothing on your CV and still feeling like you can be spontaneous, you can respond emotionally, mentally, physically to whatever excites you and, and where you feel the draw and the, and the, the connection. That's what I think is, is coming through. That was through. exactly what I was going to say, that how, how amazing would it be to be 75, 80 and actually saying, sweet, what's next? What do I fancy having a crack at now? And having a huge buffet of options to pick from. Now, for me, that, that's motivating for me. And it's, it's the balance between knowing that that will come from putting in work now, but at the same time, not getting so carried away on doing the work now for later that you miss out on all the opportunities now. Again, this idea that you're not going to waste 65 years of your life to get to retirement to realize that actually there was equal possibility available during those 65 years as there is in retirement. And you may have built habits to resist that possibility that actually live your retirement for you as well. So you end up kind of in that difficult space, but having that capacity to find excitement and passion in what you're doing so that you're enjoying doing it. And the future you is looking at you saying, nice one. And the present you is going, yeah, yeah, nice one. And of course, the past you is kind of going, what about me? You're like, I'm not that bothered. Yeah, you've had your <laughs> shot. too much possibility. <laughs> <laughs> you had your go. You were just in the gym. You did nothing with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's, that's really cool. And one of those big things about that possibility, moving from resistance into that state of relaxation. And the one of, I know we could talk about this forever in terms of sleep and all the amazing powers within sleep and within diet and the ability to to digest. But is 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 essentially two things and they're both around healing. Now, we mentioned about rest and recovery being almost like, and it's classic, you know, within sporting things, as you say, rest and recovery, I do this, I hammer it, and then I do this. A bit, but that's become the way for a day as well, is you go about your day and you don't start your recovery till you flop onto the sofa at half seven or eight at night, whatever it is. But actually, and you say, God, it's been such a long day. But if you could follow yourself with a camera, you'd be like, you're just chilling out there. You just walk in there. And it feels to me like we're missing this active recovery that's almost pretty much at the same time as stressing. If you know what I mean, it's not, it doesn't have to be a kind of go hammer your work day and then relax afterwards, which is where that work life balance thing comes in. But what about the ability to be healing in your recovery so much more during the day? Almost like you said, you know, in a weight session, you might do some weights and then sit down and go, right, I'm just having two minutes rest between. You know, that's kind of the way we're talking about here. You you kind of find it. But in order to do that, there needs to be an awareness of, you stress, I think. I think you've hit the nail on the head that everything comes from awareness because until you know about something, you can't really act upon it. But I think from, again, far more intelligent people and far more eloquent people have, have done way more work on this, so I'm not even going to attempt to hold a candle to it. But if you think of the autonomic nervous system or automatic nervous system, you split into two sides. The sympathetic, which is the often gets called the fight or flight and the parasympathetic, which is the kind of rest and digest. Now, if you're going to dip into the fight or flight, be strategic and have a good reason for doing it. Don't just linger in there for the crack because that, <laughs> yeah. that, that's bad times. 
Yeah, we call it chronic stress, isn't it? Basically, Basically yeah. Chronic so chronic stress is just the drip feeding of, of that stress into the system all the time. So if you know, let's say, I'm going to go to the to the gym or I'm going to go to this meeting and I have to travel. Now that's going to cause, whether you want it to or not, there's going to be some environmental factors that will cause stress there. Brilliant. But you're aware of that. So can you find a way to activate the parasympathetic to counterbalance that at some point so this is where we were talking about the the pillars in terms of if you're eating how you eat yeah and if you're sitting how you sit and you're breathing how you breathe exactly if you think of okay what would be the methodology to eat a meal in the best way possible now if it's grabbing something on a sprint and pounding it into your face whilst running for something I'd be very surprised. Compare that to sitting down with someone that you would really going to have a great chat with, awesome food that you really enjoy, that makes you feel good when you eat it, that you actually chew the food and you can taste the food and you can appreciate it. There's no comparison. And it's the same with you tell someone to take a deep breath. They don't immediately assume the brace position that you get on an aeroplane. No one's taking a deep breath with your head locked between your knees. You sit back, you pull the shoulders back, you open up the diaphragm, give yourself space to inflate the lungs and poof, awesome breath. So the more that you can think about, okay, for every time I need to really dip into that that fight or flight, I'm going to allow myself some chance to come out of that and counteract it. This is so big because this for me feels like, again, another ingredient necessary for turning what is a two plus two equals four formula into a this plus this equals oh my word life unfolding for me but those things we mentioned almost in in whatever examples you gave there was patience maybe around the diet there's relaxation there's gratitude there's appreciation compassion there's self-love and worth there's awareness again now all of these things are big challenges because it's almost like they're things that people think would say, oh my gosh, it's so difficult. Because I think as a society, we are constantly churning the other thing. You mentioned about being on the run when you're eating. We're always in a hurry. And that awareness is kind of say, I feel like the awareness is being able to say with your breathing, just as often as you can, how am I breathing right now? How am I walking right now? How am I stood right now? Is this really how I want to stand? Does this feel comfortable? You know, you mentioned about the brace position, but we see it all the time that's pretty much the, the adopted position of getting through your day. I mean, not quite head between the knees, but certainly rounded self-protection, hurrying, eyes down, but to stand the opposite, to stand up tall, look people in the eyes, hold eye contact, not because you're trying to be awkward, but because you're okay with it. That stuff, that feels difficult and it feels vulnerable. It feels wrong. It does, but it's also where all the good stuff is it's where the engagement is it's where the getting little nuggets of information that you never thought someone would you know we've spoken about this before when you someone that you did not expect to drop an absolute bomb on you drop something that just completely changes your whole perception of of not only them because you didn't expect them to come up with it but also just like wow i would not just wouldn't have come to that myself wouldn't have got there without you dropping that on me and those are the things where, like you said before, if you're not stood up, 
that will just pass you by because they're not all down by your feet. They're not all in a small screen either. They tend to be in the bigger picture in the actual version of what's going on. But I think it's not to overthink it. Stress is important. There's types of stress and times where stress is absolutely vital and is a huge part of what we need. So it's not demonizing everything, but it's understanding that if you spend all your time doing anything, you're not going to be in a balance. You mentioned about that good stress, you know, the stuff that, that kind of that flicker of nervousness around the unknown, the uncontrollable, the unpredictable. If you took it away, that stress, you wouldn't really do anything. It's that, yeah, that, that kind of, if you took away the unknown, so we didn't have to have that slight, oh my, will it work out? Will it not? That's the risk, the risk of being alive. And without the risk, what is there? And so, yeah, I think tuning into that's big. If you, I mean, if you look at a list of things to do and one of them gives you that feeling, that's the one that you know you're going to spend your time thinking about and you're going to build up to. Because those, that positive stress, those butterflies like in the stomach, that's telling you that this is an important thing because your body's going, yeah, that's the one right there. And I think that's that passion. It's a different way of saying passion, anticipation, excitement, but it's not the passion that makes you think, oh, I'm going to do something I absolutely love doing and there's no challenge around it. It's almost got a guidance saying that this is important for you. I think, it, you know, like, why do you stop playing rugby? Why did I stop playing rugby? Because that feeling became not quite so clear. But when it was there, there was no doubt. Absolutely no doubt or anything in that respect. I think, and, and looking at this, vulnerability side in terms of we're talking about that's where all the good stuff is we've we've obviously now i i know you'll say that you've known me longer than i've known you (laughs) because of your 18 months gap don't forget the 18 months because it's it's all i've got on you really yeah (laughs) well so but we have we've been close enough to see a bit of each other's challenges but never really understood anything about what's going on internally but that relationship i think has changed and evolved dramatically, I think, quite recently. Not to say that we didn't have the most amazing time living together and doing all these following our passions and things. But there's been, I think, there's a, a depth to it and a closeness to it and a, yeah, a transformation, if you like, in that area because of vulnerability. I think because I think that at some point there was the posturing around covering up the vulnerability and keeping that image and then there's that surrendering to it a little bit and i think because we're both on that journey you make you make it a a safe environment for the other one to go there i think there was there was such a a bizarre and weird four to five year period slap bang in the middle of the time where you and i were living in newcastle where the world cup had happened i was playing I was playing in your position. <laughs> well, you were playing 10. I wouldn't say it was my position, but the same position as Yagley. Still, the, some, some of the team selection was based on the fact that the Wilkinson shirts were made and they just slapped an M on the left shoulder because it could fit. <laughs> just more cost effective. It, it was basically just down to just keep it. It means you had to get into a, a much smaller shirt, Mike. Well, yeah, <laughs> but bigger shorts. Work <laughs> <laughs> that one out. But, but it was. I was all of a sudden quite in a very real way trying to fill your boots, which became for me quite a focus of not letting you down. And then I know from speaking to you since then, 
you felt bad that you weren't there playing in order to help me. So we were kind of both feeling bad for no reason <laughs> at the same time. But then what was really interesting was when you went to France, which was the first time for probably a decade where you and I had not lived together, I started having to try and do some serious adulting that I've never been very proficient at. But during the time where we weren't together and since then we've through different routes but ended up in quite similar places and i think it's probably that time apart which has allowed us to maybe what was a relationship that was easy because we were just there all the time because we lived under the same roof there then became thing was you're not even in the same country so it was a case of like it required and you know I, i wasn't guaranteed to see you at the end of the day unless I had, you know, I rang you, you rang me, I came out to see you, you came here when you had time off. And for me, that was really, it was, it was hard because obviously we'd had that closeness for that such a huge period of time, but it was so interesting to see probably now in hindsight more, just the the fact that we were going, ending up in similar places from different routes. You were still in rugby. I'd, I'd moved out of rugby, but we were still having the same experiences, but in just in different parts of life. I think for some reason, yeah, I think some reason we come so big on that challenges as way as well, because you mentioned my injuries in that time, four years of kind of that injury, you moved out of the game and sort of, and at some point we were, I think we were left to deal with very similar things, which was that whole kind of, like we said, that posturing around something is this identity, this idea of who I am that gets a bit humiliated it gets a very bright light shone on it by the universe in some way. And then when it does, you see it, it's not really a thing. And you want it to be because it feels like how I compete and compare and reference against others. And it's difficult because you want to, it's what your, your strength is. You know, as growing up as kids, we'd have been like, if we could say that we played this and for sure those moments we played together on the field, they were the best. That's why I wanted to come back and play because I was like, you know, I know that when you and I were on the field together, it worked because there's something about knowing someone that well to be able to communicate through, you know, a wink or an eye, a bit of eye contact or a very small hand gesture or even just a look. It just, it just opened up all this possibility and it felt like we were assisting each other into these amazing spaces. But that was a very in-the-moment experience, out of the moment. You know, I feel like we, we both had our, and still do obviously, huge image safety, security net. And at some point, it gets exposed. Injury did it for me, but because I kept getting a chance to come back, I never let it go. But as you know, f- for me, the thing that always really gives it a good old whack is the crisis moments I find myself in, whether it's, yeah, mostly off the field and it is on. But that's been my part where with every one of those, I end up finding myself connecting more to you. And I think, you know, you mentioned about finishing rugby and coming to that new relationship with life and trying to work out your past and your future and, and your your worth and all that stuff out of it. Those kind of things through that vulnerability, I feel like you just feel like there's less of a boundary between us because we played really cool roles together. You know, you as the older brother, me as this, you looking after me, but me being a bit like this, you doing this, you doing that. And it's like, yeah, we knew where we fit. But all that got jumbled up. Yeah, it was quite humbling 
you and I had a chat a little bit about this not that long ago, but I said that I was so lucky that the biggest decisions for me were made for me because I'm not sure if I would have been, you know, I would never have wanted to give up rugby. It was going to have to be someone telling me you just can't play anymore. So, you know, not, not being offered a contract was a tough decision that I probably couldn't have made, but it was made for me. And it was like, right, well, I've got no other option, but, to, you know, luckily enough, it was to go back into doing the strength and conditioning, which was awesome. But then when that changed as well, that was another time I was like, okay, right. I didn't have to stew on the idea like you did of when do I, you know, when do I hang the boots up, that type of thing. It was like, you know, job done, just get on and deal with it. So it was kind of ripping the plaster off all in one go. But I've, I've never heard it said like that, genuinely. I've never heard it said like that. I'm really glad the hardest decisions in my life have been made for me. And I think that's it. It's a great way of saying about challenges that but the reason you can't make them is because you don't know they're good for you until they happen to you. But another way of looking at that is that it reveals for me when you get put in a place that you never really factored on being and you don't really want to be. But when you, as we said earlier in this chat, when you somehow stand up in it and you relax into it and you breathe in it and you say yes to it on some level, you end up accessing a part of you you didn't know was there and you would never have revealed without that assistance. I don't think, or you may have done, but through a much longer journey. And yet it's almost like that's the decision that you're glad got made for you, but you can't know this until you face it. And that vulnerability, I think is always a sign that you're on the doorstep of it. Just to say in somehow as best as you can, yes. And then go again. Yeah. I think that that, that ties into the awareness side of things that that there's a lot of times where the same message is probably being said to Delivered. you <laughs> yeah. and you yeah. just know, no, 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 no. And then yeah. eventually it will come in a form from someone or in a way in, in where you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you can yeah. move on and then it'll be the, the next message. But the ability just, just to try and be in a position where everything is covered. You know, all the, all the bases are covered. You're looking after yourself. You, you, your health is there. You're not fighting. You're not, you're not, you're not having to survive. You're try. you're actually able to enjoy things. You're just, those opportunities are so much easier to spot and not just spot, but actually get hold of and embrace and then like dive into. And that's yeah. kind of what I would love, or I really enjoy the opportunity to be there with people to try and help with that. And it's that actually being in the trenches with people and going through that and forming those bonds and having that, those relationships and that engagement with people to actually interact with whatever their experience of life is, but just be a small part of it. That's kind of, for me, that's the driving force behind definitely the gym and also the, the amazing things that you and I get to do is that part of just to meet people because there's just so many, we've met so many amazing people from just different yeah. places that you would never have met had it not been for that that coincidence or that occasion. But this is interesting because I don't think this is, this isn't definitely not the kind of language that would have or experience that belonged to the younger versions of us. And of course there's, you know, you can always forgive that youth, that youthful <laughs> ignorance. When you, when you, I would have just not given myself the time of day. If me now went back and spoke to old me, it would have been an absolute shocker. 
there would have been no listening. Yeah, it, well, exactly that. Dismissal. But you would have you would have been on the brunt of the same way that we were, I guess, treating other people. You had a relative level of importance depending on basically what you could get for me. You know, if you had something to do with selection, I'll give you time. You know, if, if it's if it's something to do with this or if it's something to do with this, then yes. But if you're just this, well, no. Yeah, and, and that came with that, and I mention this all the time, that self-importance when that idea of who you are, unfortunately gets, instead of getting a, the, the bright light shone on it, it gets bolstered by some stuff and you choose to see it as like, I'm actually becoming a someone. I'm starting to fare well in this competition business. I'm better than these guys now. Therefore, you know, they can have some of my time and I'll give it to them because I'm, I'm going to help them rather than share an experience or, or, or in, I guess, yeah, kind of explore someone else. But, you know, we went through that and this isn't, you know, imagine if one of us tried to get into where both of us were when we were young, when we were sharing a house, if, if, you know, someone tried to come in there with this kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, oh, it'd be brutal. Yeah. But it's amazing. It's a, but this is what I think is so powerful, which is why I think it's so powerful for us i think it would be a not a travesty but i think it would be an interesting thing to contemplate if i was able to recognize too much of a consistency in in the outward version of who i am throughout my life i think it would be a bit of a a, dis, a, bit, a bit of a shame to not explore all those different spaces of who and what i can be i think that there's a difference between constantly evolving and but it, for it to be genuine, it's not a conscious reinvention. Does that make does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. It's not like a, I'm going to start wearing a cravat and I might grow a tash. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. but more that where you go and what you pursue and what ignites your passion takes you to places that you you've been. And if you go somewhere new, then it will change you, as opposed to doing the same old places where you'll just remain the same person. And most people will probably be able to come up with people in their lives that, that you know, that's probably someone who I can probably recognize as they're probably still going to those same places, doing the same things. Yeah, definitely. And, and if those same things bring you that immense joy, then of course, great. But it, when, when it comes with suffering, yeah, exactly. Cause yeah, I still go to the same places. I'm still in, I'm still out there on the field kicking a ball, but yeah, but the I caveat don't, is that it makes you happy exactly that there's something about that connection and yet i'm not the same person i don't i and i i love that evolution so looking at that evolution for you then what do you see as being your drive you kind of mentioned it a bit there but in terms of saying okay what's your motivation behind the growth then your growth personally what is it is there something daily you're looking at that sort of says this is important for me for, for me a big a big one was family so i want to be around and not be a burden with it to see what awesome stuff my kids do in their life as well as still find new spaces do new things have new experiences and spend time with all the people that i love and, and love to be around it's pushing myself to keep going and, and looking at things where i know i'm not good if that makes sense rather than rather, yeah, yeah. Yeah, rather than sitting in the old comfortable chair and looking rocking around and yeah and just continuing to i'm probably better more adept at learning and more open to learning now than i was when i was actually supposed yeah. to be learning brilliant <laughs> yeah. 
I think, but you know, I think but, it's an amazing, yeah. it's an amazing thing to be able to say. <laughs> just though. don't tell mum and dad because obviously they yeah. funded quite a lot of my education. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but you're dead right there. You're, it's so correct though, is that if you can say I'm this age and I'm even more open to learning, I'm even more receptive to other people. I mean, more fascinated by other people. I'm more engaged in this moment than I used to be. You're kind of like, but that's, isn't that what training and practice is supposed to do? Make you better at things, help you adapt and advance and grow in that respect. But, you know, when we're five years old and we've got that magic smile, when you and I were 25, I mean, you'd have to ask, what have we done with it? You know, we had moments where we we'd definitely have a bit of smiling, but a lot of the time we're, yeah, we're turning life into a massive stress stress fight. The microcosm of professional sport breeds a sort of functional dysfunction. <laughs> that you have to, the way that you adapt to such a alien situation is not useful anywhere other than within professional sport. Hence why a lot of people, yeah, say when they get home, they're difficult to be with because you, it, it works within that group. With all that stuff going on, but actually, it's it's it is a microcosm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what other stream of life would be being awesome at Jonah Lomi rugby on the PlayStation One <laughs> be any use other than <laughs> in professional rugby? In professional yeah. rugby, it just wouldn't. Be. Yeah, it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, but I think there's there's other I've, there's certain things that within certainly within like the realm of, of of gym training and stuff that I feel really passionate about, which are giving kids a good grounding in the basics of how to move with control and safely and developing good mechanics. And so that whatever experience they have, they don't meet any of the, like the shortfalls of kind of that naivety that maybe you and I did where it was just get in the gym and slap some tin on the bar and get after it. So, and also mm. I think sort of looking at how rapidly sort of women's sport is coming along as well. And I'm aware that maybe sort of the provision for certainly strength and conditioning for sport is maybe not quite as accessible as it is for for guys definitely something that i'm really passionate about is making sure that that information and that accessibility is open to everybody that's really out there who takes that really sort of is really motivated towards sport and dedicated to it that there are those accessible means to quality advice yeah definitely and 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 of course the bespoke side of it as well like you said you know there's everyone's so different in every way and that just backs that up to say you know that that being a yeah a huge opportunity i think that the thing out of this whole chat which i find fascinating is that idea that it's great that those tough decisions get made for you but you have to do your bit to help the adaptation to take you to who you're meant to be or more of what you can be and it's a difficult space to relax in that space it's a, but it's so big because if that part is, you know, if there's stress and then there's healing and the stress, you know, and then the challenge opens up for that opportunity to come back bigger, where's the limit? If you keep relaxing into your challenges and change your view of challenge and you keep doing your healing and you keep coming back bigger and bigger and more expanded and more open and more, and where does that stop? And I think that's fascinating. And like you said, the, most of the work's not done in the gym when we think it's winning and conquering battles and, and doing all this. It's like, no, the, the work's done in the, in the relaxation and, and, the, and the rest within yourself, the, the self-soothing. And, and yeah, I think that's, that's huge. Yeah, and I think it's don't get caught up in, in the huge 
goals, small, achievable, get some momentum, work your way up to things. And I think that's where if people could just, you know, in the experience that we've had with some of the projects that we've done and definitely working in the gym is first thing people need to do is just cut themselves some slack. Just not be so hard on yourself and, and then set yourself up to win. So be a good teammate to yourself, pat yourself on the back and, and, and crack on, but just work your way up. Because as you said, that momentum is so, so powerful and it, it extends, yeah. you know, anywhere where you can find some form of control to give yourself a chance to get a win, it will expand out into every other avenue of your life. So if that happens to be in the gym, awesome. If it happens to be getting a bit more sleep, amazing. If it happens to be making some tweaks to how you eat and fuel your body, awesome. It doesn't matter where it is, but those goals will just, they radiate. They don't just stay in those channels. It just outside the boundaries and away you go. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be the crazy dietary one day to the next is an absolute you know clear out the shed there's no or the kitchen the pantry there's no more of that never having that again it's all this now and well we put just little bits and just moving in the direction you want to go small small incremental changes what's the minimum effective dose what's the least you can do to get a positive benefit and build on it you don't need to as you said you don't need to take the whole kitchen and set fire to it every time you have a new diet (laughs) yeah i mean at least keep the cupboards there's nothing wrong with the cupboards. <laughs> no, exactly. Do you know what? The, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say it's quite an interesting thing, and, and I've not thought of this, but looking at us, I think, and for me anyway, it's what's been really big is that I don't think I see us so much now, primarily as family. I see us as more closer than that, because I think family can be something as a duty, as a role you play because you've been born into it. And as the phrase goes, you you can't always choose your family or whatever it is. But I see it's different now. Like a lot of that posturing, like it was, it was some of it was that family role. You know, the older brother, the this, the brother. But I don't see that so much anymore. I don't recognise you, I don't think, so much as as a brother. And I don't mean that, you know, brother's one of the closest things you can possibly say, of course. But I think in a way, I think there's something closer than that. To be able to sit on a on a call and talk, not in a way of being like, this is my... But actually just to be like, no, yeah, I think that's really, for me, that's that's been a different change in the dynamic, I think, and a, and a big one as well. I, I could say that, I, that I've always just seen you as a brother, but that would kind of ruin the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, and on that note. Yeah, it's taken out Johnny's self. No, but I, you know how like I, we, we've spoken, to be fair, I've always more recently been a little bit more comfortable sort of speaking about on that side of things that you've always been my best mate that you just happened to be a blood relative but it was just one of those that was just the way that it worked out you know we've got friends who are brothers that absolutely detest each other <laughs> yeah and yeah so, and within that there's there's some kind of thing going on there which is important in some way as well yeah I'm sure, but it's doing it some some reason that's what it needed to be that way but for for me, it's always been like this. And I think the fact that, like I said, with that time where we weren't living together, to then find ourselves actually in, that, in relatively the same place by different methods, it's, it's amazing to be then be able to come back and draw on the experience that maybe you know, the small part of my life that you haven't been knocking around for and able to tell you what's going on in that and stuff. It just adds more more levels to it. So it's always fun. Yeah, beautiful. Mate, fabulous. Thanks for the chat. And uh, normally I end these by saying something like, uh, yeah, hopefully one day we can catch up and 
and whatever. But now I'm like, I'll see you probably uh, tomorrow, maybe, is <laughs> yeah. it? Or day after? One I believe we are geographically in the same location. Yeah, awesome. All right, brilliant. Thanks, mate. Thanks for the chat and, and uh, good luck with all the, the, the gym stuff and good luck with the stuff that we're doing together as well because I get included in that <laughs> yeah, as well. Always good. Thanks ever so much, mate. Super appreciate it. So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Mags Creative, the executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy. 